0: This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals. But don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Ah, hello, Internet. How are you today? Good. Good. No, I'm doing good, thank you for asking. Welcome back to Growth Decoded, the only internet show focused on the customer experience that is co-hosted by a plant. Today, we turn our attention to the robots. Which robots? Well, the robots that send emails. Okay, okay, there aren't any robots, right? The, The Terminator isn't lurking around backstage with an external hard drive full of electronic mail, automatically delivering newsletters and discounts and spring catalogs to everyone that isn't Sarah Connor. We're not talking about that. Well not today at least, but we are talking about automation, email automation. Now this is the point where I would normally define the concept and talk about it a bit before I introduce you to our guest. But I asked today's guest to define the term and he, well, he crushed it. So let's just get right into it today and meet our guest and introduce the topic. And now I am joined by Chase Diamond, co-founder of Boundless Labs, which is an email marketing agency uh, that has driven over $75 million in email attributable revenue, uh, which is a massive number. Chase, uh, today's topic is email automation, so I feel like you're a great person to be talking to. Welcome to Growth Decoded. Hey, thanks so much for having me. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. I'm pumped to be here. Email automation, in my opinion, is probably one of the most important topics, so can't wait to dive into it. Yes, absolutely. I guess let's, let's start at the beginning then, right? Um, what is email automation? Yeah, so kind of at the high level, and I'll give you a few examples of different types of emails in one second, but email automation really is the ability to send an email based off of time, event, or behavior that's triggered to the subscribers with the actual information that they trigger. So there's three different types of emails. I'm going to kind of cover this. So the first is an email campaign, and that's a one-time send to a group of contacts. Think about a holiday blast or promotional send, right? A campaign is different than email automation, right? That's one side of the house. The next two that I'm about to talk about right now, these are under the umbrella of email automation. And it's the next one is called an email automation or email flow. And these are emails that are triggered every single time a certain behavior occurs. So think about someone adding to cart being on your list that will trigger what we call an abandoned cart sequence. Or for example, if you have some kind of form that collects people onto your list and they enter their email, will trigger what we call the welcome series for non-buyers right and then the third type of email is also an automated email most people don't talk about it as much but they're super important just because the open rate and the engagements with these are super high And that's called a transactional email it's very similar to a flow or automated email and it is an automated email but it's specifically for activities after people purchase so think about an order confirmation or some kind of shipping confirmation these emails typically are sent from like a shopify WooCommerce, WordPress, BigCommerce, you could probably have it in an active campaign or another ESP. Um, but those emails typically happen if you're an e-commerce brand from the actual e-commerce platform itself. So that's kind of like the three types of emails. And again, email automation basically is the ability to automatically send an email to a specific subscriber or a group of subscribers based on some kind of action event or time.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, it's, it's this kind of this all encompassing or not all encompassing, but very broad uh, topic or process that you can use to your advantage. Yeah, Chase nailed it. So there are a few key points there. When we talk about email automation, we're typically talking about three different flavors of automation triggers. Those are time, behavior, or characteristics. Let's start with time. When do you want this email to send? If we look at behavior, it's thinking about when someone does or doesn't do something then you want to send an email. Or characteristics. All people who are this, this, and this, but not that, they get this email. Now in email automation, we're also talking about three flavors of email type. And each type of email can take into account the three triggers, so let me explain this a little bit. The first type of email is an email campaign. Email campaigns are one-off sends to a list of people. Now, this could be a newsletter, or a product announcement, or a deal, or really anything that you want to send out as an ad hoc communication. The automated process here is the sending. Now, this automation can use the time trigger, right? You decide when you want to send it. It can take into account the behavior. Perhaps you're a clothing company and you only want to send to customers who have bought from you in the past. And it can take into account the characteristics of the list. Maybe this sale is for women's jackets. So you only want to send the email to people who have bought women's jackets and live in an area that experiences weather conditions that would necessitate such a clothing item. So you write the email or you design the email in an email builder and then you indicate which list, group or segment of contacts you'd like to send it to and then boom, you send it. Email campaigns. The second kind is emails that are part of an automation, also called a sequence or a flow. Choose your verbiage. At ActiveCampaign, we call these automations. Now in this type, the automated piece is based on a trigger. Automation builders vary, but here's the stuff that can trigger an automation in ActiveCampaign. So you can see here, some triggers are based on time, like the date-based and RSS updated trigger. Some triggers are based on behavior. Okay, a lot of them are based on behavior, the entire top two rows. And some are based on characteristics, tags added or removed or when a custom field in a contact profile changes. These triggers might vary depending on your email automation tool of choice, and there are limitless additional options when you start integrating your other tools and pulling in information about your contacts from those other tools. And this brings us to the third email, the transactional email. Now these emails are primarily action or behavioral based, right? If someone makes a purchase or signs up to redeem something, they take an action where it has been implied that something else will be reciprocated, boom. There's a transaction. But you can still find ways to incorporate the timing and the characteristics into these emails. For example, if someone purchases from you, you'll want to send an order confirmation immediately. That's expected, and we know that in order to create a good customer experience, you must meet or exceed the customer's expectations. But what about after that? There's a shipping confirmation. But then there's also an opportunity to send an email about the product or the thing that someone bought. And you can time that a day after a purchase, two days after the purchase, or maybe you want to send some FAQs that they might have once the thing arrives. Or maybe it's just a, hey, you bought this thing and you know what goes really great with this thing? Some other things. After all, 49% of U.S. shoppers said that in the past three months they bought a product that they did not initially intend to buy after a brand made a personalized recommendation. Notice how that last example took into account the characteristics of the customer. The transaction could be the trigger for additional emails that bring in the three flavors of automation emails. Okay, so it's becoming increasingly clear that there are, well, Infinite email automation options for you to create and incorporate into your email marketing strategy and options can be overwhelming Remember Hicks law from our landing page episode? The more options you have the longer it takes you to make a decision The longer it takes you to make a decision the more likely you are to make the easiest decision at that moment, which is Not to make a decision Yes, that applies to you too when you've got to make decisions about Anything so narrow it down but how? Let's hear it from Chase. Do you have any tips, strategies, anything like that for for people looking to get started? Where where should they start with email automation?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So I'd break it down like this. So I'd first start by auditing what you're currently sending, right? So take a note, take a picture of what you're currently sending and try to figure out which of those makes sense to automate. So for example, if every single time a customer purchases from you, whether it's a product or a service and you're manually sending a customer thank you email, Turn that into an automated email, right? That email that you're sending, maybe there's some personalization that you're very specific about. But in most cases, you can do somewhat of a blanket statement that says something like, hey, so-and-so, thank you so much for your purchase. It means X, Y, and Z to me. Uh, Just to let you know, here are the details. Stay tuned for the product to ship. Or if it's a service, hey, my team will be in touch shortly. We really appreciate you, right? Obviously, you want to leverage personalization and first name. You want to relate it to whatever they bought or whatever they're interested in. But more or less, like that email could be automated. That's a probably a pretty simple and straightforward one to automate. That will save you time, especially if you're getting a lot of orders, which hopefully you are for your product or your service or your SaaS business. Um, another one is maybe every time someone signs up to your list, you're sending a personal note thanking them for joining and letting them know what it means to you. That's a great candidate for another email to automate. In that case, that would be just a welcome series for non-buyers or some kind of indoctrination sequence, right? Mm. So really... Any email that you find yourself copying and pasting to multiple people or any email you think would be applicable to a group of people, whether it's now or in the future, and something that needs to be sent ongoing and more or less is evergreen or you plan to update, um, that should be an automated email. So that's really kind of like the basic way I think about it. Is look at what you're doing, figure out which things you're copying and pasting, which things you're kind of routinely doing, and then just automate that. Save yourself time, make it way more efficient from that process.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I always, I always like to say, you know, take a look at the things that everybody has to do or the things that, you know, every, whether it's a prospect, what do they have to know before they become a customer? If they become a customer, what do they have to know before they become something else? And then see if there's a way to, to automate that communication process. So you want to start with what you're already sending. And even if you've already got some automations in place, it's always good to audit what you're sending. Where can you automate? What can you build on and what can you pull into your emails based on your contacts, behaviors, or characteristics? Email automation is so powerful that it can turn you into a cliche. You can send the right message to the right person at the right time, but you can only do that if you follow the two golden rules of the customer experience, know your customer and meet or exceed your customer's expectations. Who are your customers? What messages do they expect? What would make sense and when? Check this out, 75% of consumers choose retail brands with personalized messaging, offers, and experiences. You can tap into that with personalized email automation. 70% of consumers say that a company's understanding of their individual needs influences their loyalty. When you know your customer, you know what to say to them. But on the other hand, 52% of customers say that they are extremely or somewhat likely to change brands if a company doesn't personalize its communications with them. And to take that point even further, 58% of consumers would switch half or more of their spending to a provider that excels at personalizing experiences without compromising trust. When you know your customers, you know what they expect from you. you. You know what they need. And you can build email automations that take all of those things into account and create customer experiences that lead to happier customers, more customers, and people who stay customers for longer, AKA business growth. It's important to remember that marketing is a process, and that means that email automation is too, right? No one email automation is going to bring you all of these things. But the practice of listening to your contacts and providing them with the right information and messages at the right time, it will. Because it's never over. So how do you keep building automations? How do you decide where to go next? How do you decide what to update? What gaps to fill? How do you keep going? Like, how do you build off the automations? Maybe maybe for people or for your contacts that, that don't get every single email. Like, well, are there any strategies that you can look at? Like, oh, you know, I could take it further this way or further this way.
1: Yeah, so one example. So say, for example, you know, you're an e-commerce brand and you have what's called like abandoned cart sequence, right? So typically mm-hmm. it's better to have something versus nothing, right? So my recommendations for folks that are just starting out is just throw up one or two automated emails and look at them iterate them, and then add to the sequence over time. So essentially what we're going to want to do is we're going to want to look at the engagement metrics of those one or two emails that you set up. We're going to want to focus on both the positive and the negative things. So the positive things are like the open rate, the click-through rate, the conversion, the revenue that that specific email drove. The negative things are things like the unsubscribe, the market of spam, the bounces. If the metrics on the positive side, if the open rate looks healthy, the click-through looks healthy, the conversion looks healthy, and then also the negative ones are in check and in line. I would then add additional emails to so that abandoned cart flow, for example. So if you have one email, maybe you add a second email. And then over time, as that second email gets data, if that email is performing well, you can add a third. So that's really kind of how we do it at a very simple level, is we'll make sure that we have coverage across all the core automations, mm-hmm. at least one or two emails. And then we'll go in and add emails to the subsequent flows as we see there being ability to squeeze revenue as there's ability to drive more engagement. So that's kind of how we do it is we start, we, we review,
0: we optimize, we edit, and then we add. Gotcha. How, how do you prioritize that? Like, how do you prioritize which automations to look at or which you know, flows to add more emails to?
1: Yeah, so I, I'd say it's an and or situation. So it's either the flow or the automation that drives the most revenue and or basically the automation that has the most volume. So those are kind of the, the two criteria. So if something is driving a lot of revenue, you want to focus on figuring out how do we drive more revenue? How do we squeeze more revenue from this, right? Maybe it's optimizing the few emails you have. Maybe it's optimizing the few emails you have plus adding new emails, right? That's potentially one. Or on the flip side, right, is maybe you have an automation in place like getting so many people going through it. Maybe it's a customer thank you email, for example, and you have so many orders coming through that you really need to spend more time really crafting that perfect thank you message. Really crafting that perfect feedback you know, request where you're asking people to give you feedback after they've experienced your product or your service. So mm-hmm. I would look really first at revenue and then volume. Those are the two. And then everything else kind of is secondary. All these other automations are important, but if someone's only, you know, if, if an automation is only receiving 50 people going through it on a monthly basis, it's far less important than the automation that's getting 500 people a month, 1500 people a month, 10,000 people a month.
0: So there are several ways to edit update and optimize your email automations. You can change the automation itself, right? The inner mechanics of an automation. Maybe it's waiting two days instead of three or adding another condition to make sure that the person receiving the message has taken all the necessary steps that make the email and message extremely relevant to them. Or you can edit the actual content of the emails, right? You can edit the subject line, the design, the from name, the CTA, the list goes on, literally any other piece. So how do you choose which piece to change? Okay. So if we're thinking about like how you might go in and change an email automation, right? There's the way you can actually edit the, the copy, the content of the email, or you can edit the, the number of emails, the different steps within, you know, how long are we waiting in between sends, um, if this, then that kind of deal, how do you decide which, which piece to change?
1: Yeah. So it depends on what you're optimizing for, right? So if you're optimizing for trying to get more people to open your emails as the first step, you want to focus on a few things. One is the from name. Two is the subject line. And three is the preheader, pre-header text or the preview text, right? Yeah. Those outside of where your email lands, whether it's in the inbox, the promotions, you know, the social folder or the spam folder, those three things have the highest impact in terms of whether people open your emails or not, right? And you only want to make sure that you're focusing on one variable at a time, right? You don't want to do a from name test and also a subject line test because you're not going to be able to know which variable moved the needle. So you might want to start with like, the, let's say the subject line test. That's probably the low hanging fruit. That's the thing that most people think about, right? So start testing subject lines, shorter form versus longer form, uh, emojis versus not emojis, kind of sarcastic and witty versus more serious, right? So like whatever's on brand for you and kind of within that realm, start by testing subject lines. So t- subject line A for subject line B. Um, from there, as, after you get a sense of like what kind of subject lines move the needle, you want to test things like the from name, uh, whether it's... Your actual name of your business, whether it's a person at the name of the business. So for me, whether that would be Chase Diamond, um, Chase at you know insert agency name. Um, and one thing I've actually even been testing lately, which might be kind of more intermediate or advanced than most people want to do or try, is I've actually even been sending like my from name using my from email. So in the inbox, instead of saying like Chase Diamond, it will literally say Chase at chasediamond.com. And that has been actually pretty good because it stands out. Everyone else is sending from Chase at Chase Diamond, like as like Chase and then the at sign at Chase Diamond is my name or blog at Chase Diamond, right? Not their actual email address. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm actually using my email address as the from name. And the amount of opens and the engagement is pretty high because everyone else in the inbox is doing something different. So that's the whole saying, like when people zig, you zag, or when people zag, you zig, right? Um, So that's kind of an interesting thing. And then the, the preview text, right? If you look at your inbox from left to right, you have the from name, the subject line, and then you have a small snippet of text. And that's almost like a second subject line. You really want to optimize that to drive you know, interest and intrigue for people to actually open your email. So if you're optimizing for open rates, mess with the from name, the subject line, and the preview text. If you're trying to increase click through, which ultimately is going to help with your conversion, you want to test things like plain text versus beautifully designed emails. Mm. You want to test different copy different call to actions, um, a button uh, CTA versus a link CTA. You want to test you know, different call to actions or offers. So depending on what you want to optimize for, it's kind of where you focus the, the, the A-B test towards.
0: First, ask yourself, why am I sending the email? What's the purpose of it? What do you want people to do or people to know upon receiving it? That should help you narrow down the variables that you want to test. Next, think about who is receiving the email. Is it an email based on timing? On behavior? On characteristics? On some combination of the three? Is it a campaign? Is it part of an automation or sequence? Or is it a transactional email? How urgent is the email? How specific is the email? Again, you're never done with email automation. Your emails can always be better. But there are certain factors and pieces of each email that make more sense to optimize than others. And all of that depends on the email that you're sending but you also can't be testing everything all of the time. So how often should you evaluate, audit, or test? Are there any rules of thumb for that? How often are you kind of looking at your automations, reevaluating, um, implementing tests, you know, even though it might've been, you know, we've already tested this maybe two, three times and, and we've come up and we've improved. How, like how often are you revisiting those?
1: For, for me personally, most of the brands that I work with are seven to nine figure brands. So they have anywhere from 10,000 people on their list to millions of people. So we're typically testing, you know, automations on a monthly basis, I'd say. Um, But for folks that aren't having as much volume, I would look at it on like a quarterly basis, give or take, right? So I would go in and optimize your welcome series for non-buyers on a quarterly basis. I would go in and optimize your abandoned cart, you know, on a quarterly basis. So do each flow on a quarterly basis and maybe rotate, right? So if you have, you know, bandwidth constraints, which a lot of us do, maybe say for month one of the quarter, we're going to focus on these three. And then month two, we're going to focus on these three. And then month three, we're going to focus on these three and then kind of start again, right? Q2 comes around, you start again. So I would, I would look for most people, since this probably on a quarterly basis, I wouldn't stretch it out any further than like on a, every six months on a semi-annual basis.
0: Just as we talked about updating and optimizing an individual email versus an email flow, we can zoom out even further. We can look at the automation strategy as a whole. How often should you think about the entire email automation strategy? How often should you look to add or remove entire automations? What do you begin to even look for there?
1: Yeah, so in in the case of us, like if we're kind of looking at things monthly, we'll kind of have a, a sense of like, hey, you know, these are the things that we've identified for month one that need to be implemented in month two. So we kind of do an end of the look at the end of the first month. And then in month two, we look to make any kind of additions, edits, removals. So for, for us, like we have a pretty set playbook and I actually kind of walk through that right now. So our, our playbook is like, there's these core automations and, and this is more e-commerce based, but it would be applicable and I'm sure in some degrees to SaaS and info and B2B. Sure. Um, but there's kind of a set automations that we want to see in place first. The first is the welcome series for non-buyers. That is essentially people that are new to your list. This is giving them the, the discount code that you promised in the pop-up. Uh, or whatever details you promise. So most people are leveraging some kind of percentage off or dollar off or free shipping in a pop-up, right? So a pop-up is just like it sounds. You're on someone's website, it pops up in your face, it will ask for your email. So it'll say something like, hey, Chase, or, you know, hey, hey there, whatever, right? Here's 10% off, give me your email. And they might yeah. actually even ask for your, your phone number as well, which is SMS marking, which is a whole never conversation. But so they ask for email, right? And then from there, you want to give them that 10% off, that free shipping code, whatever it was that you promised. You want to deliver that in the first email. You want to share a little bit more about the company. You want to welcome them into your list. And then subsequent emails and that automation is around leveraging social proof. Social proof comes in the forms of testimonials, press mentions, celebrity, or kind of influencer endorsements, any kind of retail uh, footprint you have. We're in 100 Nordstroms, we're in 500 Macy's, Um, any kind of popular products that you have. You really want to answer for the customer or the subscriber, really, in this sequence who you are, why you matter, how you're different, and ultimately what's in it for them. We're Mm -hmm. all very selfish. We want to know how can a brand serve us? And by answering those questions, you're more likely going to get a sale. And then you want to introduce them to the community, get them to follow you on social, get them to join your Facebook group, those types of things. That's the welcome series for non-buyers. We typically run four emails over the course of about a week. And those kind of cover those different buckets that I mentioned. The introducing to the brand, the discount code, the offer that you promised, the social proof, basically answering what's in it for them, showing popular items or products, and inviting them to join the community. That's Mm -hmm. one. The next one is the abandoned checkout. And that's actually different than the abandoned cart. So if you think about the funnel, it goes as following. You have the homepage, you have a collections page, you have a products page, you have someone viewing the product, right? You have someone adding to cart, starting checkout and buying. Each step in the funnel introduces friction. So there's a huge drop-off. We want to make sure that we serve content to people at each of those drop-offs, right? That's the whole goal of the automations is we can map out ahead of time what we want to send and who we want to send it to based off the action. So we could actually say that someone viewed this product, but they didn't add to cart, they didn't start checkout, or they didn't buy. We'll want to send them you know, a viewed product or a browse abandonment email, right? If they did that, but they added to cart and they didn't start checkout or they didn't buy, send them the abandoned cart. And then the last one is the abandoned checkout. Most people don't know that they could have multiple of these types of things. So the abandoned checkout are for these folks that are so close to buying from you, right? They're so close to booking your service. They're so close to buying your course. They're so close to buying your t-shirt, whatever it is that you sell or do. Uh, they just maybe got distracted, right? Maybe they were waiting to see if you were going to send them an offer in the emails, right? Uh, maybe you didn't have free shipping. There, there's, a, there's a laundry list of reasons why people, you know, abandon their cart. But these people got through, viewed a product, added to cart and started a portion of your checkout. We have to serve them content and follow up with them to remind them. These people have heavy consideration. We need to take them from heavy, heavy kind of consideration into conversion territory, right? That's mm. the abandoned checkout. You're obviously gonna to wanna to have the browse abandoned, abandoned cart as well, but I would start and prioritize the abandoned checkout. But that's gonna be the highest converting one. And then lastly of, of the next one is would be like the customer thank you. We wanna say thank you. We wanna express our gratitude. We wanna show what it means to us. Oftentimes this could be a plain text email from a founder or a community manager. Really, just sharing what it means to us and what they can expect, right? That's mm. going to increase demand, reduce buyer's remorse. So, that's like the three core emails that we, we make sure are first, right? And then from there, we'll go in and we'll do the browse abandonment, which is again for people that view a product or products but don't take a further action. Uh, abandoned cart for people that add to cart but don't take further actions. We'll then want to look into things more post purchase like cross sells and upsells, customer win backs, breakup series, right? So, for us, when we look at brands, On the automation side, we have the sequence in place where we look, welcome series one, abandoned checkout two, customer thank you three. We try to make sure we at least have one or two emails in each of those flows. And then we go to the next ones. We look at the browse abandonment, the abandoned cart next. Then we'll look at the cross-sells and upsells. So we go in this kind of sequential order. So that way if brands come to us at all different shapes and sizes. We work with brands doing anywhere from a million dollars a year to hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And depending on the brand, some of them might have the welcome series, the abandoned checkout and the customer thank you done. So we know in our minds, great, we can check those off our list for now. We're gonna start with the next three. And then after we build the next three, we're gonna go back to those first three that the customer already had and figure out how do we put our own unique agency spin on it? How do we make sure that they have all the right things that they're touching on?
0: Does that make sense? I know that was kind of a tangent. No, 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 that's, that's fantastic. Cause it's like, you prioritize the, these are the big ones that you want to make sure that you have. And then there might be this like secondary level where you can start identifying, you know, where do these connect together or where can I take these, these initial three, but then also still going back to those original three and making sure that the brand voice, the tone, the messaging, the design aspects the you know the, all of those things that you had mentioned, even the subject line send name, preheader text, all those things just you want to constantly you' you're never done, right It's just constantly reevaluating where can I add, where can I connect reevaluate. hundred percent. So if you're testing on a regular basis or you're auditing your program, you should have a good idea of what's working and what's not. A good idea of what you could be expanding on and what might be better served elsewhere. The key is having the foundational or core automation set up that will help yield the most for you. Now, Chase mentioned a few automations there, so let's dig into those. But first, a word from our sponsors.
2: The marketplace, historically a place where goods, services, ideas, and figs are exchanged. Now automations. In the Active Campaign marketplace, you can search through a library of more than 760 pre-built automation templates to find an automation that fits your specific needs. And why am I wearing an apron and a silly hat? Well because we call our automation frameworks recipes. You can search through the marketplace for a particular recipe by industry, by use case, by author, by experience level, or by feature use. Do you have an automation that you'd like to build but aren't sure where to start? Do you need ideas about what to automate next in your business? Do you think there's a better way to automate a particular process? Head on down to the Active Campaign marketplace and find your perfect automation recipe. Pre-built and in your active campaign account in just a few clicks. Figs sold separately. Perfect. First, the welcome series for non-customers. Now the
0: welcome email is historically the email that receives the most engagement. Why? Well, because it's both transactional and it's behaviorally based. Your contact took an action and you send an email back to them acknowledging that action. You can incorporate timing into this use case by adding emails to the welcome series and then timing them out in a cadence that makes the most sense. Not only that, but you know that your contact took the action right then and there. They're engaged in this moment. You might never have them that engaged again. not because of anything you've done, not because of your emails, but because sometimes That's just the way that it goes. Life happens, interests change, their mood changes, the weather changes, the day changes, things change. So make the most of it right now. Send a welcome email, and then send a series of emails after that. Now Chase mentioned a few things here. You can give social proof, like reviews. You can answer some FAQs in these welcome series emails, or you can introduce them to your community or your social media profiles in the next emails. Do what makes the most sense for you and your business, but send the email. And if you're an active campaign customer, you can import the Welcome Series automation recipe into your account from the active campaign marketplace for free. The framework is there. All you have to do is customize it to your business. Now, the next automation that Chase mentioned is the abandoned checkout, which he said was different than the abandoned cart. An abandoned cart situation happens when someone adds an item to their cart and leaves and you can learn more about abandoned cart automations in the episode that we covered last season, but an abandoned checkout situation is a little closer to the purchase than that. They're both extremely close to converting, and you may as well have automation set up for both of them. Now, you can create distinctions using site tracking data to trigger a different email to send or an automation based on which page a contact visited last. For more information on site tracking, you can check out the episode we did on that topic a couple of weeks ago. But if you'd like to import the abandoned checkout or abandoned cart automation recipe, you can check out the marketplace for more on those as well. Next, the customer thank you email automation. You want to reduce buyer's remorse or the possibility for buyer's remorse. And you also want to strengthen the bond between you and your new customers. So send them something personalized. Chase gave some great advice here. He said that a plain text email from an actual human email address works best here because it has a personal feel. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not designing beautiful HTML crafted emails every time I have to send a one-to-one communication with somebody. Not only do I not have the time to do that, but that wouldn't really feel personal at all, would it? But you could take this further. It might make sense to take into consideration the characteristics of your customer's purchase. Is this the first time that they've purchased from you, or have they bought before? Are they a loyal customer? You can personalize that, And that level of personalization coupled with the text only from a human thank you email is the the kind of experience that your customers will really appreciate. But this begs the question, why these email automations?
1: The reason that we prioritize that order is typically based off those are the highest converting and drive the most revenue, right? And have the most engagement. So the order is based off what we've seen should be in the top three, the top five, the top seven highest revenue producing automations, right? Mm. Um, and and those are also the emails that people expect. If you have a pop-up or some kind of way to collect emails, you better serve someone an email or else they're going to be confused whether they actually added their email. Right. I don't know about you, but as an email marketer, I'll go on a brand's list. I'll add my email to a pop-up. I'll be stoked to wait for the discount and I'll never get it. And I'm like, did I do something wrong? And I kind of like, I'm like, shoot, did did I not enter my email? I'll go back and do it again. And I just realized the company doesn't have anything. Right. Right. This isn't the, the best example, but you know, kind of equating it to say you're throwing a house party, you're having uh, something at your house. Could you imagine someone shows up to your house and you don't greet them, right? Like you kind of just like brush them off and you don't greet them. They show up to your house, like that's kind of rude. In a in a similar sense, if people join your list and they, that's like your first impression, that first welcome email is your first impression. So on top of it being really high engaging, really high revenue producing, people expect these. Every other brand is going to be sending, and if you don't, you're going to be having a missed opportunity uh, with the abandoned checkout. Again, if people are abandoning their checkout, they are so close to buying from you, right? If you don't send them the email, reminding them, if you don't send them the offer, if you don't send them whatever it is that they're looking for, they're going to buy from your competitors, right? They want that t-shirt. They're going to buy from you or someone else. You know, they're already on
0: your list, expressing interest saying, hey, I want to buy from you, right? So what are the expectations of your customers? Are you using email automation to meet or exceed those expectations? Missing the opportunity to send an email when your contact's engagement is high, and it's clear that you should send an email. If you miss that, it's a mistake. But what are some other common email automation mistakes? You put your email address in for the discount for the newsletter for the fill in the blank, and then it just doesn't come. Or it comes, you know, way after the fact when it's like, I'm engaged right now, so it should be here, and it's not. Or the abandoned cart, right? You're kind of leaving that opportunity. It's just a loose end, and it's hanging out there. What are what are some other common uh mistakes that you see as they pertain to email automation
1: yeah i think that the biggest mistake um and it kind of goes back to what we're talking about like on the testing like the number of brands so we work with hundreds of brands we've talked to hundreds of brands and a lot of people make this mistake it doesn't matter if they're a seven eight or nine figure brand a lot of people just set and forget their flows or their email automation right so like we talked about before like looking at them monthly in my case or potentially quarterly in, in your case there's number of brands i talk to like Yeah, you know, I probably haven't looked at my welcome emails since 2018 or my abandoned cart email. It probably could be better, but I haven't looked at it for the last year and a half. So a lot of people, again, while we've talked about a lot of the pros of email automation, it will work around the clock. You know, you set it up and it's going to send on your behalf. That's great, but you do have to optimize. So I think the biggest mistake that I see is people think, great, I set this up once and I'm done forever. I think that's a massive mistake. Um, Maybe you change your website branding or you change your assets, your imagery, And by having emails from a few years ago that you haven't thought about or updated, uh, your your positioning and your branding is going to look off. You want your website, your social handles, your emails, everything that you do needs to have consistency and congruency, right? So don't make their website beautiful and then your email from three years ago before you had a great designer not look as great. So I think that's like the biggest one is just not updating emails at all
0: or in a realistic period of time. As Chase has highlighted and as we've talked about, you're never done with email automation. Once you set an email automation up, it's important to revisit every once in a while. And we've seen that it's a best practice to revisit each individual email, each automation sequence, and your email automation program at large on a regular basis to continue to improve and make sure that there aren't duplicate emails being sent, or long gaps between communications, or high engagement, high opportunity moments that you're simply letting pass you by. So let's turn back to Chase for some other best practices and advice when it comes to email automation. Because I know we've talked about, you know, reevaluating again and taking a look at, you know, some of these features that you might not think of, like the pre-header text or the sent from um, and kind of paying attention to detail. But what are some other, you know, best practices as they pertain to email automation?
1: Yeah, by the way, I think, and I'll answer that one second. I think the title of this episode is going to be emails like dating and like gardening. Here, Here's how you do it and here's why you do it. Or maybe that could be the next episode, but...
0: Um, be a to segment to the, within the show.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, to answer the question. So I'm going to talk about a few new things, but I'm also going to just really harp on a few of the things that we mentioned. Cause I think, you know, we're probably nearing the end here. I mm. have uh, probably got a few things left, but I want to make sure that like, if you don't learn anything other than these things, you ha- at least have some takeaways. So, um, we talked about kind of right before this and ongoing. you need to make sure that the copy and the design are on brand and as you're branding and as you're copying, as these things change, so do these automations. That's one. Two is, again, doubling down on the point that you have to constantly update the emails within each of your automations, right? Um, every email within the automation should be updated, not just one of the emails, right? All of the emails. And if you have an abandoned cart, right, maybe you have two or three emails. In the welcome series, you have four emails. Don't just update one or two of them, update them all over time. Again, we talked about A-B testing, but really kind of the, the point that I wanna want map out here and kind of illustrate it is you wanna map out the customer journey in advance. And you wanna ensure that you have emails set up for each step in the customer journey. So going back to what I mentioned before, right? People on the homepage, view collections, view specific product, add to cart, start checkout and buy. You want to make sure that when people visit the homepage or new to your list, the welcome series. When people v- visit a collection or view a product, the browse abandonment. When people add to cart, you know, the abandoned cart. When people buy the customer, thank you. After people have bought that haven't purchased from you for a couple months, the customer went back. After people have bought from you, haven't bought from you after the customer went back, and, you know, and aren't opening emails, you want to send the breakup series, right? So there's so many different types of things that you want to set up that you need to make sure you map it out. And with that being said, you want to make sure that you don't send a customer too many emails about similar things in a short period of time. So for example, you don't want to send them both an abandoned cart and an abandoned checkout in the same go. You want to prioritize the one that's furthest down the funnel. Um, So for example, in the abandoned cart and the abandoned checkout, you're not going to want to send the abandoned cart. You're going to instead want to send the abandoned checkout. So don't send both of those. Those are kind of like the the, the things. It's like when you map it out in advance and you can see the customer journey, sure, you might not get to build them all out at once. That's probably not feasible, but you know where you're going and you can map out between. Also, the other part part that's important I mentioned at the very beginning, the transactional emails. You want to make sure that when people buy from you, they're not getting bombarded with your emails that you're sending through ActiveCampaign and the emails that they're getting from the likes of a WooCommerce, a Shopify, Magento, whatever it is, right? Because in theory, they could get a customer thank you email from you. They can get an order confirmation from them. They might get more details on how to use the product from you. They might get shipping details from them, right? Like there's just so many emails that could kind of crossfire that literally what I would do is I would pull out like a Google sheet and just map out every single email you have, what the trigger is, what the action is, and when someone would be eligible to receive it. And it's really important, right? On the post-purchase side. So typically when someone orders, they're going to get on what we call day zero, which is immediately that email from Shopify or whoever it is saying, hey, you place your order, here's your order details, right? And then from you, you want to send your customer thank you email maybe one day later. So on day one, you send your customer thank you email. Instead of sending those two emails within minutes of them buying. And then maybe day two, right? One day after, maybe they get their shipping confirmation, right? So day three, you could send something like, hey, while you wait, here's how you use our product. Here's how you use our service. So you just really want to map it out. so That way people aren't getting bombarded with too many emails from you. And the the other side of the house that we didn't even talk about today is email campaigns, right? These are the ongoing weekly emails that people are going to get. Product launches, sales announcements, holiday emails, current events, blog content, social proof, right? So keep in mind too, that people are going to be getting all these other emails. For our clients, we're sending two to four, maybe three to five campaigns a week, right? So think about that. They could get two to four emails on the campaign side. They might then be eligible to receive another one to three emails on the automation. And then if they buy, you know, someone in theory could get Seven emails, 10 emails in a week. And we don't want that, right? So we want to make sure that we have filters in place and we have best practices in place to prevent people from getting overwhelmed with email. If you're kind of sending often, if you're sending a daily email, you want to make sure that before people even join your list in the pop-up in the sign up form, that you actually tell people you're sending a daily email. If you're not sending a daily email, you probably don't have to display exactly how many emails, right? Because it might vary from one to three a week. But if you are sending a daily email, Most people don't expect to get that, right? So you have to be clear and upfront about that or else you're going to end up with a lot of churn. You're going to have a lot of people unsubscribing because the expectation was different than
0: the reality. That is, I think that is the perfect place to end. Um, Throughout this show, we focus on two things and that's knowing your customer and managing your customer's expectations. So that is... Uh, just uh, just the way to tie it in, you know, the, the two golden rules proved to be true yet again in another topic of the customer experience. Some great insight and advice there to close us out. For more from Chase, you can find him on LinkedIn or Twitter where he shares his insights and his expertise all day, every day, for free. So be sure to give him a follow or connect with him there. Now to recap, don't set and forget. Update your emails to reflect new branding, new tone, any changes to your product design, new capabilities, new features, or or anything. Map out your customer journey in advance, right? Think about what content, what messages, what information do your contacts need, want, or expect at each stage of the journey with you. Don't send your customers too many emails about a similar thing in a small window of time, and also don't send your customers too many emails in general in a small window of time. Audit your sending, and keep an eye on how many automations might be running simultaneously, in addition to your one-off email campaigns. And finally, manage your customers' expectations. What do they expect? Think about the emails that you expect to receive when you're going about your daily life. Note the places that you do receive them, and they hit the nail on the head. Then note the times that you don't receive them when you expect to. Also, note the times that you do receive them, but for some reason there's a disconnect. And finally, maybe most importantly, know your customer. When you know them well, you know what to send them. You know what problems they have. You know how you solve those problems for them. And you know how to answer their questions. You'll know their expectations, and you can meet and and exceed those with automated emails. Remember, there are multiple tools in your email automation toolbox. You can use timing, behavior, characteristics to your advantage. You can make it relevant. You can make it personal. You can build those into one-off sends, into sequential automations, or into transactional emails. The world is your oyster. Thank you all for your time today. Thank you to Chase Diamond for sitting down with us and discussing email automation. I'm Ernie. This is Plantasia. This has been Growth Decoded. Join us again in two weeks for our investigation of digital events and webinars. And until then, go forth and automate. Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded To Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.